0: Hello, hello. Welcome to Irrepressible. I am your host, Erica Ashley. 2020 is coming to a close. I've been reflecting over this year, this past weekend, and one of the biggest things that stands out to me is how much time we've all spent in our homes this year. Pre-pandemic, I was working two jobs, sometimes three in a day, and I just was never home. I really was not home except in the evenings and sometimes on the weekends. And the more time that I spent at home, I realized I just wasn't happy with the furniture that I had. And it came from a space of wanting to be in a space that felt calm, relaxing, inviting, a space that I wanted to be in. I think because I wasn't spending so much time at home before I really wasn't paying attention to it. Um, and then the more time that I spent at home, I really was like, I, I think I need some new furniture. I just want some new energy. Some of this doesn't make me feel calm and relaxed. I'm not a big color person. My headboard was blue. Um, I bought it thinking that it was going to be this cool accent piece. And the more time I spend at home, I just, it's not my vibe. I go with neutrals pretty much all the time. I just find them to be calming, relaxing. Um, Too much color really just gives me anxiety. It just adds to my anxiety. And so I want my home to be the calmest and most serene place that it can possibly be, especially if I'm being forced to be there for an entire year. Um, And so I was really just thinking about the fact that I sold all my furniture And I've been buying new things. And most of the things that I've ordered have been on back order, which made me realize that a lot of people were probably doing the same thing. We're at home. We're like, if I'm going to be here, this needs to be a place that I want to be. And that's enjoyable. And so I started thinking about it from like a professional standpoint of like, yeah, I know what I like when it comes to design. Sometimes I don't quite know how to put everything together. Um, and my sister's in set design, so I'll ask her because she's constantly designing rooms and stuff. And so I'll get opinions here and there. But for the most part, I pretty much always know what I like and what I don't like. But I was really curious from a professional point of view, where do you begin when it comes to design? And so I had Annie Wise come on the podcast this week. She is an interior designer based out of Portland, Oregon. She has a company called Wise Design. And She talked all things design with me. Her company has kind of pillars that they use as their founding philosophy in their approach to design, and she explains that, and that's kind of where they start when they approach design, and I found that really interesting. She talks about creating warmth in a space, um, making a home feel personalized, making it feel lived in and livable not just something that looks like it was cut straight out of a magazine. For me, that's one of the biggest things is that I think the way you decorate your house is a reflection of who you are. Pre-pandemic, I was somebody who on Sundays would go to open houses for fun. I think that it's just really fun to go look at the way people build homes, decorate homes, design homes, live in homes. Like, I just find it fun and fascinating and Um, I love collecting inspo from places. So, like I said, this interior design is not like a new hobby for me. I've always had an interest in design, um, with pretty much everything across the board. So one of the coolest things that she talks about that I found really awesome was that her team really likes to work with clients who have purchased historic homes, buildings, all of that and how she keeps the integrity of the building in her approach to design. And I found that really cool. And so we talked, basically I was just curious if you're somebody who's living in an apartment right now and you can't paint your walls and you, you can't do a lot with the space you have, how can you modify it to make it the best, coziest, most wonderful space that can be in the moment. And so (sighs) we talked all things that, um, she also shared her journey into interior design, which I'm really glad that she shared because it was kind of an up and down struggle for her. And I've said this before and I'll say it again. I think when you are vulnerable and share things like this, it's relatable and that's what creates community. That's what creates a sense of I'm not the only person going through something or who has been through something where I felt lost or confused or like I didn't have a purpose. So she talks about that, and I'm really, really glad that she shared that with us. So without further ado, here's her story in all things design.
1: I didn't really ever plan on being an interior designer. It wasn't something that like I was a little girl and always dreamed about doing. Um, but I did kind of reflecting back on my life. I mean, I I definitely like I always had like my room a certain way, or I would, you know, kind of enjoy like um, rearranging things or um, that kind of thing. But um, I I went to the University of Oregon, um, and they had an excellent interior design program. Um, but I kind of spent my first two years just um, taking like some classes just to kind of like feel out what I was interested in. I was really into art. Um, So I took a lot of art classes. I took art history. I took um, some kind of intro to architecture classes. And I I also took a lot of business classes because I think before I knew I wanted to be an interior designer, I knew that I wanted to be an entrepreneur and, and own my own business. And I, I wanted to make sure when I was going through school that I was going in a path that would be sustainable for me as as I got out of college. Um, and, you know, I wanted to be able to, to support myself. Um, and so as much as, like, I wanted to be an artist, um, I kind of, you know, because I, I really liked the creative side of that, I wanted something that, um i think i would just present more opportunities um and so that's kind of how i stumbled into interior design i was originally going into the architecture program and i took some of those classes and just like it just it didn't quite feel like it was a great fit and i was approached by the head of the interior design program as like a Hey, like maybe, you know, this is sort of a smaller scale program. The the architecture program at U of O is quite large and the interiors program is a lot smaller. And yeah, so I kind of found my way there. I kind of struggled through through college. I was in for a really, really long time because I was just sort of like drifting around, not really knowing what to do. I worked um, retail jobs, which... Where I was just listening to that part of your podcast where you're talking about working retail and especially about the seasonal retail, and I worked at American American Eagle and I had to work for like through the through the holidays and they were like, well, no, you can't. Like, I wanted to go home see my family <laughs> for Christmas and they're like, well, no, you can't do that. And I was you like, never let you. Well, I quit then, <laughs> so that like, that was the end of my job there. Um. And so at that point I was like, I don't, I don't really know what to do. I feel like I'm just kind of drifting through school and I'm wasting money and I'm wasting time. And so I actually withdrew after my sophomore year for two terms. And I, um, it was, it was just like a a really difficult time. And I had, I had applied to the, I think at that time I had applied to the interior design program. And I did not get in, um, and they only took applicants once a year. So I was like, "Oh well, great! Like, what am I going to do? Just you know, go through another year of school aimlessly." So I decided to withdraw, and it was like a really scary decision because I, I never I never envisioned myself like having these sort of issues, um, but it turned out to be like one of the best things that. Um, that I did because it really just allowed me to kind of step back and step back from the situation and like reevaluate like what I was wanting in my life. And so of course I, I um, was looking for a job and I found an ad in the paper for this marketing agency and I went in and interviewed and I got the job and it was this um, sweet, sweet older man. That was my boss. And we did marketing for like insurance companies. So I did a lot of like graphic design work. I did a lot of the business side of things. It was just me and him for a long time. And he was just like, that job just like really saved me. Um, it gave me purpose. And I learned so much about like how to run a business. And yeah, he was just a wonderful mentor. And I actually kept that job even after I moved up to Portland, after I, I had graduated. Um, And kind of helped him grow the business. And we hired on a couple more employees. So anyway, so I worked full time those two terms. And and then I reapplied to school the next year. I actually like, I redid my portfolio. I retook my SATs to like ensure that, you know, I was going to get in this time. And now I was like hell bent and determined on getting into this program. So I think it was a good thing that, you know, I didn't get in the first time around. Because I just, yeah, I think it just gave me like so much more drive and ambition. So I ended up getting in and it was an insanely intensive program. And I I was still working 30 hours a week for um, John. And I was like never doing better. I think I just, I tend to kind of thrive when I have purpose and so I like I had a direction for my career and I was really focused on that and then I had you know a really stable job and um, a lot of responsibility and I think I just kind of needed all of those things so it was like at that point that I, I felt like my path was kind of like on track for where I wanted it to go and I, I ended up accelerating through the design program in four years instead of five because I had so many other credits because I've been for a long time. <laughs> and I, I graduated in 2008 when the housing market crashed. And then I was sort of like, okay, what, you know, what do I do now? None of the firms that, um, there were no firms that were hiring. I mean, people were just being laid off left and left and right. So it was It was kind of a scary time to, you know, step out on my own, but I still had my job with John. My husband now um, had moved to Portland to work for Amtrak. And so I ended up moving up there. Um, I was working for John just kind of remotely. I was, I, I just, I felt like I had sort of lost purpose and now I didn't, I didn't really know like what the next steps for me were. And I remember, and, and my boss had also approached me about, so he was like getting to retirement age and he approached me about taking over the business and buying the business and, you know, basically taking everything over. And I think that was like one of the hardest decisions that I've ever had to make because like on one hand, you know, here's this like very stable, like already um, flourishing business. I mean, it would be um, a lot of stability financially for me, for us, for, for our family. Um, and then on the other, but but I didn't. I mean, I liked the work, but I wasn't passionate about it. And I and I had just, I don't know. It, not that it lost its luster, but just like there was nothing new. You know, I had been doing it for for so long, and um, and so it just it wasn't exciting. And then on the other hand, I have this like, oh, this like sort of dream, like, well, maybe I can start my own business. I don't know what that's going to look like. I don't know where to start, you know, but I, I ended up turning him down and, um, and then, you know, that decision kind of set the path for me to, to move on on my own. And the, the, I mean, I mentioned before, like when I was little, or even you know when I was in high school and stuff it was like it was never something I thought I would I would do but once I got into the program and I mean I think that it's still true like I've just fallen more and more and more in love with design and with with this industry as I've been in it and um it's just it's wonderful so yeah so I I started um just kind of Doing some like trade, trade with with people. One of my first projects was um, for my dad's neighbor. I ended up designing her apartment. She was a flight attendant on Delta, and so she gave us buddy passes, and we took some friends to Eastern Europe. So that was great. And yeah, I just kind of started doing work for for friends and family, and it's it's just kind of snowballed from there. So and right now I've. Um, I have an office, a small office on the east side and kind of uh, inner Portland and two other employees and we're looking to hopefully expand here pretty soon.
0: Do you feel like you have a specific style when it comes to design or is it more about what the client wants?
1: A little bit of both. I, I wouldn't say a specific style but we definitely have a philosophy. So when we are doing renovation, so we do renovation work and then we also do furniture. Um, so when we're doing renovation work, I mean, in Portland, there's, there's a lot of like historical homes. Um, so anytime we're, we're renovating or like building something new, um, we always consider the, the building and like its style of architecture. Um, and our, our philosophy is sort of like. Whatever we do in there, we don't want you to know that, you know, it hasn't, you know, we want you to feel like it's been there the whole time, that it's original. So, you know, if somebody buys an, a historical house and then, you know, wants to, like, turn it into, I don't know, like a mid-century modern ranch or something like that, like, well, you might not be the best client for us. But, and, and I think we, we definitely... I don't know. Like sometimes I look through our portfolio, um, and and I do. I think there's there is like sort of a cohesion somehow through, throughout the projects. We always try to infuse warmth in all of our designs. So because I think, and especially like in, in modern architecture, sometimes spaces just can feel very very cold and sterile um and that's not really like we want to we want our clients to live in spaces that are comfortable and cozy and practical for their families um or for themselves and whatever you know whatever their lifestyle is like Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah we tend to just always try to infuse warmth um into into our designs and I guess we, we, you know, we're a little bit more contemporary than like traditional in the way of furniture. So oftentimes, like we'll take a historic home and the renovation piece will be pretty traditional. But then we like to sometimes infuse like modern lighting or, you know, modern furniture into those spaces just because, you know, it's kind of an interesting juxtaposition. So
0: kind of like yeah. mixing design styles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I always wonder, I'm like, well, what if somebody's like, I love boho, but I love modern, but I also like a little beachy? Like, can you get, is it, you can get too crazy with things, right? Or can you take pieces from different
1: places? I think so. I mean, I, I definitely don't think that like people need to, you know, only stick to one style. Um, because, I mean, your home tells the story of who you are. And so, to me, I think it's a lot more about like finding pieces that are meaningful to you mm-hmm. um, that tell a story about who you are, like maybe you collected something piece of art or something in your travels, or we had some clients that were world travelers, and um, they had like all this amazing artwork and all these like artifacts and these, like big trunks and stuff like that and so you know, their space was quite eclectic, but um you can use other tricks to kind of pull it together and make it cohesive. So for example, like they, in their living room, um, they had this like really old vintage trunk that we decided to use for their coffee table. Um, And then we infused like super, you know, contemporary furnishings. But, you know, if it's like a common element between whether it's like a common color or a common texture, Um, or a common, like color metal or something like that. So, you know, a a common shape, you know, like maybe all of the furniture is like, um, soft and like organic and rounded or something like that. Uh, so I think there, there are other ways to kind of mix things up. So, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and that's fun. That's fun to do. I mean, I think those spaces, um, tend to be more dynamic than something that just looks like it's purchased out of a catalog, you know? Mm -hmm. Um. So, yeah.
0: Do you think that there are like basics when it comes to design? Like, if somebody was going to start somewhere, is it like, do I go to color? Do I go to texture, furniture? Like, where do you
1: start? I think, well, I mean, it's different for like renovation versus furniture. For furniture, we don't really have like a a starting point. I mean, obviously, we start with like a furniture plan um, so we can figure out like, and that's that's one thing that that people struggle with is like we'll you know we'll present maybe one or two um different furniture plans and it's like okay this one is what the space wants <laughs> this one is like what the space is wanting um and may, you know maybe this one is more like what you're wanting and so sometimes those are those conflict mm. a lot um and so that's that's kind of a struggle but i think you know You sort of have to start with your with your furniture layout to figure out what's going to work the best in your space. Um, We obviously like do a lot of modeling and and drafting and stuff like that, and taking measurements. But a really fun trick that we um, will do with our clients, especially when we do consults, is we always have like a roll of painters tape with us. And so when we're like talking about you know how to lay out your room, we'll just make these like crazy tape floor plans you know in their space um and it's such a powerful it's such like a powerful tool um you know the other day I had a we were installing the or uh, our client was considering this like pretty expensive chandelier and you know it had like all of these drops and stuff it was going down a stairwell and he's like, I just like I don't know I don't know if it's gonna work I don't know if it's gonna fit and so I made <laughs> I made him, like, a cardboard mock-up of this chandelier with, like, paper cups and stuff, and we went and, like, hung it in his house, so, yeah, I think it helps, those visuals really help, so always have a roll of painter's tape. <laughs> I think when it comes to furniture, like, actually furnish, furnishing your space, um, that, can, that can come back to, like, is there a specific piece that you want to build the room around, like, do you have a favorite rug, you know, that you've already purchased, or do you have a sofa that you know that you love and is really comfortable, or it's like fun color or whatever? Um, and you can kind of build the room around that. We are avid Pinterest users, and you know, Pinterest can be overwhelming, certainly, but it's it's nice to collect. Images of, like, oh, I like, you know, these sorts of spaces. And so once you collect your images, then you, you can kind of drill down and say, like, okay, I like, I like this, this, and this, and this photo, but I don't like this. I like mm-hmm. this, this, and this, but I don't like this. And then you can kind of start to edit and curate those to, to kind of get a better sense of, like, what you're actually liking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's, that's often you know, a pretty challenging phase of the design is like sometimes our clients will have like huge Pinterest boards with like hundreds of images and it's like, okay, well, you know, so we, we, we do exercises with them where it's like, you know, let's pick a couple or maybe we'll look at it and then we'll create our own vision board for them to look at. Mm-hmm. And then I, I feel like once you sort of have a design concept, you know, then the rest can kind of fit together. So furniture plan and then like a vision board you mentioned like
0: warmth and creating warmth is number 1 for you guys or like one of the biggest ones what is a good way for somebody to bring warmth into their into their house
1: well i mean there's there's a couple different ways we all we love to use wood as as a warm element and a natural element um, and so i don't i mean that could be like a wood floor you know could just be your hard, hardwood floors um, I, we typically see it a lot in like bathrooms because, you know, bathrooms are tiled, like everything's hard surfaces. Mm-hmm. Um, so those spaces, you know, um, maybe it's like a wood, you know, a wood vanity or a wooden mirror or um, it can even come from like the metal finish that you use. So like brass has, you know, a much warmer feel than like a chrome. Um, and even like a polished nickel has a warmer feel than a chrome. Yeah. And then obviously it can come in like, if you, if you're using more like earth tones, um, that's, uh, that's also another way to infuse warmth. I think the other thing is like soft finishes and, um, textures. So you know, a space that has, like, some really pretty soft drapery feels, you know, a little warmer than a space without. If all of your, you know, or, like, adding rugs and, and stuff like that, adding, like, cozy textures, soft textures, and kind of playing with that.
0: So, obviously, like, the pandemic, everybody's spending so much time at home right now, and I think a lot of people have been, like, I want to redecorate. I want to do this. I want to do that. I sold all of my bedroom uh, furniture. And I was like, I'm over this. I need a new space. If I'm looking at this every day, I feel like one of the things that people are probably struggling with is separating. Like I'm working from home and I'm living at home.
1: Do you have Mm -hmm. any tips for like
0: separating the two?
1: Some people are probably having to get pretty creative just based on like the limitations of their space. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, if you don't, if, you, if you're in a space that doesn't have a, a lot of room, um, you know, maybe like, do you have a closet? Do you have like a double door closet that you can take the, the doors off of and like nestle a little desk in there? It doesn't necessarily have to be like a whole room. Like in my house, I, I don't have an office per se. I have like a nook mm-hmm. that's kind of, you know, I've set aside for myself and it's kind of like nestled in our living room. Um, and then my kids, you know, when they're playing or doing their school, they're they're in the other room. So if you can carve out, you know, uh, some sort of a nook or a niche in your house, um, I think that's that's definitely key. Um, there are, I mean, if you know, if you if you don't have an office, you can um, create like a small workspace in your in your bedroom. Um, they have like these amazing little, you know, flip down desks and stuff like that, even mounted to your wall. Um, and certainly, like it's different if you have like two monitors versus a, a laptop. Those those kinds of solutions are pretty great. But I think it's about like having a space that is your is your own, um, and that you know that is as free from distraction as as it can be so I mean you could you know they have those like wardrobe screen type things mm-hmm. you could maybe make a section of your house off with something like that or like maybe you install a curtain rod or something like that and hang some drapery just anything to like you know give you um a, some sense of, of privacy for me it's so I have three kids. They're nine, almost nine, uh, five, and three. And so, working from home for me is like very difficult. Not only because you know it's loud, but um, it's also like we have to be so engaged with with our kids' school work right now. Um, so, you know, we just had a consult with with a couple of the other uh, yesterday. And their solution is like they have one room that's their office. So we designed it so each of the parents had, you know, kind of a side-by-side workstation with like a little partition filing cabinet type thing in the middle. And we inset that into a closet. So we're basically like demoing out their closet and just like repurposing that as um as a desk space. And then um they also set their child's desk up in there as well and then they have a younger kid so there's like a play table for him and then floor space where he can where he can kind of play too. So it's just it's just a mess right now. <laughs> to be to be honest. <laughs> just like using whatever space you can for yourself. It would be amazing if like people would share their, you know, their work from home solutions. I bet,
0: I bet there's some pretty wild ones. I'm sure because it was hard to find a desk. Everything is sold out.
1: Gosh, I know.
0: It's nuts. It is nuts. Yeah. Do you think that there's any like a design, like design no-nos? Do not ever do
1: this when it comes to design. I would probably say like, you know, if you're designing your bedroom, don't buy, you know, a a head, you know, a a headboard and like two matching nightstands and a matching wardrobe and a matching, you know, don't do that. (laughs) Matching, matchy. More interesting. Yeah. Matchy matchy. So yeah, I think that that would be a, a pretty big one. Cause I think you just have a space that ends up looking rather uninspired and then pretty flat mm-hmm. and kind of, of, you know, character. What about for like organization? So like in our playroom, we have just one of those like Ikea low units that have like the different bins that you slide in, but like each bin, like this one's transportation. This one's Duplo. This one's Magnetiles, you know. And so when we say, like, go clean the playroom, everything has a home. And anything that doesn't have a home goes into, we have, like, a woven felt bin. Um, so anything that doesn't have a home gets dumped in that bin. And we call it our "fui" bin because <laughs> when Victor, my oldest, was, a bit uh, like, I don't know, one or two, he's was just learning how to talk. He was like pointing to some like fuzz on the ground and he kept calling it fui. And so that's what we called like that random stuff that, you know, I mean, mostly it's like maybe junk, which is why it doesn't have a home. And then like you take your fui bin and then you separate out all the junk across that and then find homes for the other stuff. So fui bins. That's my <laughs> <laughs> Oh
0: my god, that's cute. <laughs> Everybody's home right now. If they want to, like, if maybe you're in an apartment or a small space and you're like, I'm tired of looking at just, like, white walls, but I can't really paint this space that I'm in. Mm -hmm. Do they bring in, like, plants or, like, how can they make it feel a little more homey for them in this, like, time right now?
1: I cannot believe I didn't mention plants before (laughs) when you were talking about warmth. So like our other philosophy is like, if you don't know what to do, you know, if there's like an awkward corner or something in your room, just like put a plant in it. Plants make, plants, plants really help enliven um, your space. And it's, it's just like amazing the difference um, between like a space with plants in it and a space without. Now I will say. I I'm not like a jungle person. I don't like the like millions of like little pots of plants everywhere because to me that it's just stressful and it seems really cluttery. Mm-hmm. But you know, investing in like one really beautiful like big rubber tree or um you know something like that um is is wonderful and they make us all happier. So yes, plants.
0: Do you have mm-hmm. um like any go-to places that are like your favorite, if somebody's like, I need a couch, I need this, like, do you have go-to stores or is it, you kind of try to find like the one, like kind of unique piece?
1: So, I mean, we always try to use our local vendors, um, here in Portland to support, um, you know, support our Mm -hmm. local economy. Um, so we have like, um, perch furniture, which we we do like all of our custom couches, and they're wonderful. And they're really well made. Um, we use SMG Collective, which is like a beautiful rug store. Um, there's tons of like amazing woodworkers here um, that make really beautiful furniture. For rugs, uh, I mean, for like other rugs, we use um, we source a lot of our rugs on Etsy, um, which are you know typically at a lower price point. Um, But they have like tons of like really amazing vintage rugs. So, and actually there's a, uh, people sell a lot of furniture on on Etsy too. The shipping can get kind of insane, but I find lots of neat things on Etsy. Um, And then for vintage pieces, I mean, we have a lot of great vintage stores around here, but we also use First Dibs and Cherish, which are two just kind of online, you know, platforms for, for selling vintage furniture. Um, and then, I mean, depending on the project, like we'll, we'll use more retail stores, Crate and Barrel, CD2, um, you know, Target's got like a really nice design, um, line right now, um, or they have mean, for for a little while. So yeah, yeah. It just kind of, it depends. We also use a lot of like trade furnishings and stuff like that too. Awesome. Okay. Mm -hmm. Where can everybody find you? Um, you can find us on uh, my website, which is www.anniewise.com. Um, and on in- Instagram, which is at anniewise design. Uh, Yeah. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> <laughs>